faster than a speeding bullet. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's this wop doesn't lie. The No Bullshit Podcast. Now, here is your host, Felix Andreoni. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, I got my co-host, Ann, in the house. Happy Friday. Yes, I see James. I see Bribery from Ghana. That's my friend out there. And you know what today is, right? And what's today? Happy Friday. Let's kick it. Hit it. Oh, yeah. Oh, how you feel, brother? Feeling good. You feel good? Feeling good. Really good. so much bone, brother. How you feel, man? I feel all right. I call your name. I don't want no people to know you're in here. How you feel, fella? Hey, Jam! Sure getting down. Look at him! Oh! We're gonna have a funk good time. Eric's in the house. We're gonna have a funk good time. We're gonna have a funk good time. We're gonna have a funk good time. Let's take him up, Fred. Well, well, it's Friday, and it's two days away. Actually, three days away, sorry. From? Memorial Day. Oh, yeah, Memorial Day weekend. Yes, it is. So, we're waiting for Raccoon to come in, because Raccoon served in the military for, I believe he said, 27 years. It's a long time. Yeah, a long time. Really long. You know... What Memorial Day means to me, and besides, I had a tragedy, and I'm not going to get into it, but I had a tragedy in our family on Memorial Day. But what Memorial Day means to me is remembering all the servicemen that died in the line of battle, on duty, that passed away fighting for this country. And not only does Memorial Day mean that to me, but it also, I also recognize every single other soldier out there that's fighting for this country right now as we speak. And everyone who's enlisted in no matter what branch of service you're in, I want to thank everybody out there all the enlisted men. I also want to thank all the families out there. My heart goes out to you, to the families that lost someone that was in the military fighting for this country. My heart goes out to you guys. So right now we're waiting. There's, there's a raccoon. You know, um, Memorial Day is more than just people that, you know, dying in the line of battle, but those that died as a result of serving in the service. That's right. Like the burn pits or like, um, you know, exposures to. That's right. And bad water and all that. There's a lot more casualty than just on the battlefield. Correct. Not that that in and of itself is not significant enough. Raccoon. Can you hear me? Barely. I've been trying all week to get this thing fixed, and I can't get it fixed. 
Yeah, we can we can barely hear you. Oh, that's odd. I wonder what would prevent the volume from. You have your volume all the way up. <laughs> yeah, even even when I have the volume on this end cranked. Let's try that. Um, you know what he could do? Mm -hmm. Call my cell number. It's wait a minute. Let me make sure I'm paired with my uh, board. Hold on a minute. Yeah, I am. You want to call my cell? I'm going to give it to you. Okay, hold on just a second. Let me get my, my pen out. Get your pen. Okay. 203-517-6609. Okay, I'll give you a call. All right. So while we're waiting, is, has that is that Zero who's joined us in live studio? Yes. Well, welcome Zero. Welcome to live studio. We're glad to have you tonight. Yes, welcome to the show. Follow us if you're new to the show. While we're waiting for Raccoon, you know we live in a uh, we moved to a small New England town here in Connecticut, and it was wonderful today to see them putting the flags up all along the parade route on Main Street, USA. Yes. I didn't really believe that existed any longer, but apparently yep. it does, and it's really. Even, Hello. Even though we live in a blue state, we're very excited. You know, there's something wrong with your phone. We can barely—I can bear you, barely hear you through the phone. Oh, that's odd. I—I I don't know what the hell is going on. Is there bad weather somewhere between us and Montana? I know there's bad weather down south, Eric. Right? So usually does, Wait, usually knocks you we out got you. We got you. We got you now. Okay. Can All right. let me see? Can you guys hear hear a raccoon talking? Yes. I, I'm asking people out there. Oh. Say something. <laughs> Raccoon. Eric and Zero are giving them a yeah. thumbs okay. up. Can you hear me? Yes, they they hear you. They hear you. Okay. So, so listen. We this is this show's about you, okay? We you know, a lot of people are interested in your service uh to this country. So maybe you want to tell us a little bit about where you were born, a little bit about your childhood, and then go into your military when you first joined enlisted. or signed up. Yeah, enlisted, yeah. Yeah, where you were, what was going on, stuff like that. Okay. It all started back at Fort Polk, uh, or Fort Gordon, Georgia, where I was born. Uh-huh. And unbeknownst to me, I, le I learned later on, after I was 20, that that's where the 82nd Airborne started. Yep. Just so happens I joined the 82nd and didn't realize it was centered from Fort Gordon at World War One as the 82nd Division All-American. Mm-hmm. Consequence? <laughs> is that a consequence? Uh, is know. that a coincidence? <laughs> you know? No, I'm going to say no. I would say no. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was, uh, that's where I started at. 
I was a military brat. My dad was drafted. I grew up down there for about a year till he got out. And we made our way back to Indiana where he, my dad and my parents were from. Uh-huh. And uh, that's where I basically was the Indiana kid. And lived in a small town called Terre Haute. It's the home of the ISU Sycamores, also where Larry Bird came from in basketball. Oh, all right. You went to public school? Larry Bird was a... Was, I went to public school. Uh-huh. I come from a, what you would call an upper, lower class or, you know, monetary area. Uh-huh. My mom and dad weren't the richest in the world, but they weren't the poorest. Yes. Now, did you graduate? But, you know, I grew up and I went to, oh, yeah. yeah, I graduated high school. Even though I was completely bored while I was in school, my dad said, just graduate. So I did. I just graduated. Yep. And then while I was doing that, I was gathering information from people around me, old folks, I listened to their stories and learned how to do things that mm-hmm. nobody else knew anything about. I and uh, worked in the machine shop when I was in high school. I followed that up with the day I graduated my high school. They handed me my papers and my union card and said, we got to lay you off because uh, we're not getting enough work in anymore. Yeah. So I, wow. first, I first went down and uh, <laughs> the Navy wanted to hire me as a machinist, but I said, no, nah, I don't like water that much. <laughs> and Marines weren't much better. The Air Force wouldn't lock me in a hangar making aircraft parts. Mm-hmm. And I went into an Army recruiter who was at the very end of the line. It's, this was like a strip mall building. It's like you walk in and uh-huh. boom, 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 boom. Here's all the recruiters as you make your way down the hallway to the exit. Yeah. Now, how, <laughs> old, how, old, how, how old were you at this time? I was, I was 19. Uh-huh. Do you have any siblings? I was 19, and uh, yeah, I got an older brother and a younger brother. Oh, so you're the middle. And out of the, out of us, I was the only one that served yep. in the, in the uh, family, other oh. than my dad. Huh. Zero is, and, a, uh, zero is zero. asking, what year did you graduate high school? 1975. Oh. Enlisted, 1975. All right. <laughs> The same day I graduated, I enlisted. Mm-hmm. You're, so you had the support of your dad? Did you have the support of your mom? Oh, no, 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 no. My dad didn't want me going to the military. My mom was really kind of worried. Yep. But yep. My mom looked at me and she said, go down and talk to your uncle. My uncle Jack was a Korean War, Vietnam War veteran careerist and I went and seen him and he laid me some, some key words of advice. Mm-hmm. They say run, you say how long. If they say jump, say how high. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have to get yourself mentally prepared because I seen you know it, it, it's really you know, I, I'm gonna hit some bones here. Uh-huh. And that was in basic Fort Polk, Louisiana, in Tigerland. Anybody out there knows where Tigerland is? North Fort, Fort Polk. 
the hardest place to take basic. It was called Little Vietnam for a reason. And that's where I took 18 weeks of AIT and basic training because it rains constantly. Oh, that sucks. Sand is terrible to walk in. Everything is ran. Everything was ran to get you through war. And hopefully at the end, you got to come home. And the drill sergeants I had at that time were five and six tours in Vietnam drill sergeants. They had been in different units over there. They were battle hardened. They were, one of them was a celebrity. Uh One of my drill sergeants, I'm going to name him, Drill Sergeant Curry. He was on the Army drill team on the Ed Sullivan show three times. Wow, what did he and do? I didn't get the connection until after we were in like the third. He was in the drill team in between some tours of Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> he would come back and they'd send him somewhere and he'd get on the drill team because he just, you know, just got laying around, you know. He was being out there. He knew what they were expecting, you know, and he got on the drill team. He was on the Ed Sullivan show three times. And what did he and do? I what did he do on the Ed Sullivan show? What did he do on the Ed Sullivan he, he was show? In the, he, was in the, he was in the drill and rifle team that, that was on Ed Sullivan's show, and they were doing their little dance in there with the flag <laughs> and the guns and stuff. All synchronized yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah and that's he, cool. He taught us, yeah, synchronized marching right. at the theater level. Yep. Okay? And he taught us some of the moves for graduation in basic and the day IT, and, and it just befuddled the Dagon command there when we got in front of the podium. <laughs> we, were walk, we were marching in front of the podium and he would call out the steps.
He's reloading. Hello? Okay. Yeah, we're yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, we're back on. I believe. Can you hear us? Yep. Can you guys hear us? Yep, we're back. And yes. Hello. Eric says we're back and we got a thumbs up from zero. Everyone's saying yes. Yeah. There so, must have been some kind of glitch in this system. How come you wanted the hardest job there was? <laughs> they don't want me to talk. Huh. Uh, I, I believe that. I'm starting to believe that. How come you wanted the hardest job there was, to, you know, available in the service? Do you have like something to prove to yourself? Well, or? You know, I, I, I'll back up a little bit more. During my childhood, I was always given the toughest jobs in the family to do. Okay, uh -huh. I was the one that had to go out there and, and do the hard stuff. Huh. And I'll get to I get to to why here in a little bit because this goes on until the end here, I'm going to get to a point that's just going to bring it back to this. I was always given the hardest jobs to do. We raised rabbits, I had to clean the cages. <laughs> when we butchered rabbits, I had to help clean them. My brothers didn't have to do that. So. Yep. Okay. Why is, why, I had to do it. Why do you think that's happening? <laughs> were, were you physically bigger than them? Yeah. Were you bigger? Well, no, not really. I mean, we were all about the same. We're all skinny little white kids running around barefoot, <laughs> drinking out of water hoses and riding bikes and helmets. You know what it could you know what it could be you know what it could be is something that maybe you did things a little bit better. Right? Yeah, I, I I'm gonna jump ahead here just a little bit. Go ahead. Two years ago when my dad was coming down with Alzheimer's, I was visiting him back in Indiana and he walked into the into the kitchen there with a couple big boxes. Uh -huh. Here, here's a bunch of pictures I want you to have because I don't know who they are. Oh, oh so that's I mean, he didn't recognize anybody. Yeah. And I opened up one of the boxes, and the first picture was a picture of my grandfather when he was in his 20s. Wow. Okay. I looked at that picture, and I'm going, holy shit, that looks me like, like me in civilian clothes. When I was in the army. <laughs> There you go. And I looked at him. I said, I, I looked at him and said, Dad, I said, now I know why you were so hard on me. He, and I showed him the picture and he just smiled. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Deja vu. Yep. Is your dad still living? But anyway, no, he passed away a couple years ago. How old was the he? Alzheimer's got the best of him. How old was he? 86. Oh, wow. He was 86. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was the longest living in his bloodline back to his great grandparents. Yeah. He lived longer than anybody else. Well, yeah, he now, lived all he his lived, brothers and sisters. He lived a long life. Mm hmm. So, getting back to the military, was, what ha how, how, where did it go from there? Well, it's in the Louisiana swamps. Well, in the rain, yeah, in the rain yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I got, I got to set the story here. I was in the Louisiana swamps. We were the fourth platoon in Alpha Six One. Uh huh. For anybody might know where that or who that was. Alpha Six One was the unit I was in, the training unit, and we were up at least an hour, if not earlier, than every other platoon out doing road work and doing calisthenics and hitting the obstacle course and all this shit. Yeah. We ran 
constantly. Every fourth platoon wasn't allowed to walk uh-huh. unless you were walking in formation. And they told us that when you leave here, you'll be able to smoke junk school. And everybody passed. There you go. See, they were right. And a lot of us, a lot of us played road guard when we weren't the road guard. We would beat the road guards to the intersection just because we had been trained to run our butts off. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got to the 82nd, it didn't get any worse. It didn't get any better because a minimum five miles every morning yeah. with calisthenics. And, you know, it, it, it was just a battle hardness for anything because the 82nd was considered to be the basically the strike force for the Army. Yep. We would go anywhere in the world in 18 hours or less. And we had DRF-1, DRF-2, all the way to DRF-9, which was the guys who actually pulled support with guys who were going out until it was their turn to go out. Yeah. And you were on one-hour call-outs, and you were allowed to do certain things during certain cycles. Uh, the DRFs were cycles, mm-hmm. six weeks of of readiness, six weeks of assisting readiness, which meant you were the next in line. And then DRF three was okay. We'll call you in probably about six or eight hours later, unless. And that's the way they ran division, and it ran like a fine tooth comb most of the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. not all the time, but most of the time. Yep, and. I went in there in infantry, and I I went in to a platoon that was mainly all Vietnam veterans. I am a young kid off the street. <laughs> yeah, they called us the jumping junkies for a reason. Why? It wasn't because we liked to jump. Okay, we had guys that were hooked on heroin, cocaine, yeah. wow, amphetamines, all kinds of shit. They're always yep. doing it. So sorry. Do a little smoke at the back of the room next to the big wall fan and got along with the platoon if you didn't and they kind of ostracized you yeah you know and and you know shit like that goes on with that but i learned early in life to gain respect of people and i gained the respect of almost everybody in my platoon except for one person that was my my road dog he was a guy who was my ranger buddy as we called him uh-huh cover each other why didn't you get along and with them I didn't. I didn't. I didn't not get along with him. He just kind of went his own way and shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Come to find out later on in life, I find out that the guy was my freaking cousin. I didn't know, <laughs> and he didn't know either. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From a long, long time ago, his mom and dad. His dad was from my family, and his mom was from his family. No, yep. his grandmother was from his family. And then when he was born, his dad had, you know, his, actually his uncle's name, which was his, or his dad's name, which was his, his mom's maiden name. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it. And I found out another thing at the same time, this woman that I knew for years, who me and my wife knew, and I knew her husband in the military. We were related. We're cousins. Uh-huh. Houston, Tennessee. You know, I mean, that's that's a small world we have. Sure is. But yeah. 
I gain respect to people. I gain respect to my peers and, and my, my people above me. That if I said something, take it to heart. Yep. Of course, a lot of times they thought I was kind of crazy until all of a sudden it would pop up in front of them and they'd say, holy crap. Okay. You know? Yep. You know what? But I learned, I learned to, huh? Tell me, tell me what happened the first time you were deployed into a conflict. The very first one. My first conflict, the first conflict I set foot in was Grenada. Right. I was a medic then. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know where the hell Grenada was. Yeah. So they told us it was in the Spice Islands and I had to look at it on the map. Yep. But yeah, it was it was crazy, but when after spending four years in infantry and, and playing the infantry game, you practice the way you battle. Okay? Yeah. What you do in training is what you do in combat, and that's what was drilled into me as infantry. Oh. As a medic it wasn't any different. But when we took fire on the second day in Grenada, everybody ran behind the building. Mm -hmm. I grabbed a bunch of guys and started putting them in fighting positions. And everybody's telling me, you're going to get killed. You're going to get shot. I just hollered back, the son of a bitch can't hit a moving target. <laughs> and I kept running around putting people where they needed to be and directing their fire. Yeah. The colonel's standing back there in the background watching it. I come back. He says, what, what company are you from? I said, I'm from HHC, sir. He says, you're not an infantry. I said, well, I used to be, but I'm a medic now. Yeah. And that just kind of set him off of a, well, hell, this guy's doing great. When I got there, you know, I went into a, a building that they had, that we had captured and the engineers were going through everything to make sure it wasn't booby trapped. And it was a, it was a, a warehouse barn mm -hmm. warehouse of ammo and small arms. Oh. Mm. And I walk in there and say, Hey guys, what's cleared and what's not cleared? Oh, those over here are cleared now. Okay, so I went over and I opened up a case and there's a twin plated AK forty seven. Did you <laughs> take it? I pulled that. I pulled it out of the box. I pulled it out of the box. <laughs> grabbed me two bandoliers. Went back to the unit and everybody looks at me when I walk in with an AK underneath my arm and they say, what are you doing with that? Said, I'm going to teach you son of a bitches how to use an AK-47. <laughs> when I was in infantry, I was always, I was always told by my dad that the, the only stupid question you have is a question you never ask. Yeah, that's good. And one time during a bitch session with the, with the division general, we would do this once every couple months a unit would go down and throw their grievances toward the general to see what, you know, what could be done. Yep. And I went in there one day and I'm sitting next to my buddy and I say, I got, I got to ask him a question. He goes, no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I raised my hand. I, I, I go and introduce myself and I said, I have a question, sir. I said, since we're supposed to be at war with communist countries and they use communist weapons, why can't we be cross-trained on communist weapons. That's right. And he he stopped for a second. And he goes, "Let me get back to you on that." Oh. And then I was motioned to sit down. Mm -hmm. About three months later, 
this, this is a big production. Three months later, I'm sitting in the mess hall eating lunch, and the CQ runner runs over to get me. He goes, "Hey, man, post or the division commander's in the CO's office. He wants you. You better get your butt over there right now." So I run over there, and as I come into the office, I go into the first sergeant's office to get into the CO's office. I go into the first sergeant's office. The first sergeant looks at me and says, "I don't know what the hell you did, but..." You must be in some serious trouble. <laughs> and I'm going, what the hell have I done? You know, I, I've been thinking for the last two minutes, what have I done here to cause the division commander to come down on me? Yeah. So nobody ever gets that. And they say, really, really screw up. So I go in there, I present myself, and the, and the general looks at me and says, go grab your steel pot and your LCE and meet me at my Jeep. Oh. We were driving Jeeps back then. Mm-hmm. No Hummers. So I run, run upstairs, get my shit, run down there and run in there and, and uh, get to the to the ramp. And the general's sitting in his Jeep. He said, get in the back. They so get in the back and we're running down the road. And the general goes, I've been thinking about what you, you wanted. And uh, I'm giving you that opportunity right now. Oh. And he mm-hmm. didn't tell me. He didn't tell me what I was doing. <laughs> I'm giving you the opportunity, and I'm going. What the hell have I done? Yeah, <laughs> police call on the road out here somewhere. You know, I thought I was in trouble. Yeah, we pulled up to OP41, and there's a whole bunch of guys standing out there, and they got all kinds of stuff laid out. I'm going. What the hell is going on here? And I walk up with the general to the bleacher area. I'm the only one there in the bleachers. And I get these guys in special forces group teach me how to use all the, the small arms, machine guns, pistols, rifles. Yep. You mean Russian armaments? You mean Russian armaments? Russian military weapons that they had in their command because they, you know, they trained for that. Yeah, very cool. And these guys literally give me a complete briefing and I got to learn how to tear them down, put them back together, function weapons. And I got to shoot a bunch of rounds off. That's of cool. RPGs. Yeah. That was cool. Enough. And later on, you know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I've done that. But that was kind of the end of that. It's like, that's on the back burner now. And if I go back in the military after 16 months furlough, I, I took 16 months off to figure out if I wanted to stay in the civilian world and go back in. Yep. And I went back in, and here I am in Grenada. I'm in Grenada now, a couple of years after I got back to division, and everybody's kind of running scared and stuff. And I'm sitting there, you know, you think that's as bad as you guys think it is. And then every time somebody would walk out on the road out in front of the building, yep. in civilian clothes or in something that might look like a uniform, they would say, hey, who is that? I would say, you want me to drop him? <laughs> I said, you want me to drop him? I can drop him here. Let me drop him. Come on, come on. You know, and no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But once you got to that other point there, and I went back and grabbed AQ-47, I came back in, I broke it down, and showed these guys how to break yeah. it down and put them back together, yep. how to use them. And they just thought that was an easy thing. Well, the AK it took a little bit of the stress off yep. at the same time. Well, the AK was much more reliable than 
your service rifle, what they gave you, correct? Oh, I don't. I I think that is kind of a hit and miss. You think so? Okay. The cheaply made. It's a cheaply made gun. Yeah, it functions. It's been in a lot of battles. So has the M16. The M16 took a hit when it first came out because when it came out, you weren't supposed to clean it. Yeah. You were not? Some of these guys shooting two, three hundred rounds through these rifles and not cleaning them and they jam and oh. they go into malfunctions. That's crazy. You know, cook off rounds and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, I even humped a 203. I humped the Dagon M60 machine gun. I mean, you know, and I never had any of them literally let me down. Yeah. And the M14 was a nice. The M14 was a nice rifle also. So let's get. But it was a heavy bastard. Yeah, they are. Let's get from Grenada to your next conflict. Wait, before we go on, this is a really stupid question. But as a medic. (laughs) As a medic, you have to carry a gun and all the medical, you know, stuff you need to fix someone up. Is that how it yep. works? Yeah. Oh, got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, by the Geneva Convention, you can only carry a defensive weapon, and we carried M16s. Got you. You had a. We didn't have the M. Yep. You had the M4s a, yet. We had M16. What kind of sidearm did you carry, if any? Well. <laughs> We didn't have enough sidearms for everybody. <laughs> so he carried an M16. Yeah. Okay. The officers yep. got to carry the, the, the sidearm and the rifle. But, yep. you know, a medic, eh, you know, it's, but that wasn't any different. I mean, you know, I would have rather had the M16 anyway. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just because I knew how to operate it severely on auto. You know? Now, being a medic, did you, rem- but, did you remove... Like shrap metal and bullets also or not? No. Uh, those were evacuated most of the time. Yeah. You know, unless it was unless it was a really a non life threatening wound that you can get the guy back into service with, yeah, we you might have dug a piece of shrapnel out now and then, but Yeah. Like in Grenada we only had four casualties. Yeah. And that ended <laughs> quickly. That ended quickly, we, right? That well, yeah, four-day four war. Yeah, yep. Yeah, four days. It, what, what that was about was the Cubans were trying to build a deep uh, submarine port in one of the deepest uh, harbors in the, Mediterranean, in the Caribbean. Yeah. And that's why they wanted that island, and they took it, and we went in there and kicked their butt. And yep. So what was, to, what, the, what was your— the Grenada thing. What, 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 Go ahead. I, I have to throw this in here a minute. Go ahead. On my first night in Grenada, I came in late because I was I was the one driving in the the medical supply uh, Gamago uh-huh. articulating vehicle, and I got there in the dark. Most of everything had, that had gone on on the initial invasion was over with. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about it because I'd been on green ramp, stuck in isolation, and on airplane making my way down to Grenada. I get there, it's pitch dark. You can't run your lights, noise and light discipline. So I'm at that, I pull off the plane, I park, yep. and then the EVAC officer who became a PA later on in life, he uh, come and got me. He says, come on, follow me. So I, 
I started following him in first gear up a hill that I thought I was going to, I literally was going to roll down. Yeah. And I got to the top of it. I got to the top of it. He said, okay, we're right over there. Just park your vehicle right here on the road and sack out next to the vehicle. So I got out with my poncho liner over me, went to sleep. Next morning, he walks over, he kicks my foot because he knew better than to shake me. Mm-hmm. Kick my foot. It's time to get up. I flipped the day going cover off of me. I had my little poncho liner. Flip that sucker off of me. And I look around and right next to me, not more than a foot. What was it? It's a dead Cuban. Oh. A dead Cuban. Mm. You slept through it? I mean, uh, I've been laying next to dead Cuban all night. <laughs> didn't realize it. I hope you weren't so, hugging him. <laughs> instead of. Well, no, no, no. It gets better, man. It gets better. And they talked about this for a long damn what time. Ha- what happened? It's better. I see this guy next to me. So I just lean over and with my right arm, he's on my left side with my right arm, I punch him in the shoulder and say, wake up, Billy, it's time to go to work. <laughs> and my evac sergeant looks down at me and said, man, you're a sick dude. <laughs> <laughs> But there was a bunch of people. There was a bunch of people on that on that hillside. He got shot up. Yeah. And if any of those guys are out there, if any of those guys are out there, they'll verify the fact that that morning, about half an hour later, I got my Coleman stove out on the back of the gamma goat, and I'm eating up water for coffee. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we hear a quad fifty from a mountain Uh-oh. just to our, our north. Uh-huh. Starts cranking off a quad 50. In the quad 50, you have to have two people, one to fire it and one to position it. Yeah. So somebody's up there cranking this thing to position the gun down while the other guy's firing it. We hear the bullets. Everybody takes off like a rabbit. I'm sitting up there by the gamma go, and I'm, I'm waiting for my coffee. I don't do nothing <laughs> without my coffee. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and these guys are hollering at me, get down here, go get shot, get down here. And I'm going, no, not yet, not yet. I got time. I'm sitting there watching the water. As, as, as it, the old saying goes, a watch pot never boils. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm sitting there watching this damn thing, and just as soon as it starts boiling, I grab the coffee pot, head down the hill, and two rounds go slamming into the gamma goat. <laughs> wow. Then the eight, yeah, then the F. The F-14 comes in and drops a bomb on it. Oh, After he'd done a strafing round, he went and strafed it, came back around, dropped a bomb on it, and that was the end of the gun. Oh. <laughs> it got better from there. That was your lucky day there. Either that or you literally lost coffee. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Felix, so, 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 something that I learned as a kid growing up, because I was always bullied. Uh-huh. Never be afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of snakes, spiders, wild that's, animals. That's true. That's what my old Even man. Rat. That's what my old man put in my head. Yeah. Wait, wait, you were bullied when you were younger. Oh, I was beat to crap all the time. Why is that? Yeah. I was a skinny little kid. I was a skinny little kid, and I had a guy who who came up behind me one day, yanked my chair out from underneath me as I was. Yep. When I was in class. I get ready to sit down and yank the chair away from me. I hit the ground. I get up. I said, don't be doing that crap. He said, what are you going to do about it? So I just punched him straight in the face as hard as Good. I could knocked his ass out. 
the big bully who always pestered me came over there, jacked me against the wall. He said, I'm going to smack you in the face. <laughs> and he hit me. My head bounced off the wall. I looked at him and said, is that the best you can do? Oh, <laughs> and he walked away from me. Oh. He never he never messed with me again. Interesting. Yep. He thought he was going to knock me out. But when he popped, my, popped me in the eye, my head bounced off the wall. Which probably kept me from falling down and passing out. I looked at him and said, is that the best you can do? <laughs> of course, our three of us had to go to Dean's office and get three whacks at the paddle, but yeah, yeah, that was one of the things. And, and you know, I always tell people, don't be afraid of stuff. No matter how bad it, it, it irritates you, just remember you were taught to be afraid of shit. Yeah, you were taught to be afraid of bugs or snakes, whatever. Yeah. I catch water moccasins down in the south, and I was stationed down there, and in my home state. I would get water marks on the top of her heads. They gone, no problem. Reach out and pick them up. I knew what I was doing. I wasn't afraid of them. Most people would run and scream like little girls. I've seen the biggest guys run and scream like little girls when I pull a snake out of a day going thing and they'd be a sergeant. <laughs> I say, you know who you, and I, I would, I would look at everybody else and say, you know who not to stand in back of, <laughs> you know? That's right. So let's get into your next conflict. You were lucky. You were lucky you weren't by that vehicle because you wouldn't be talking today. But let's get into the next conflict. Okay. My next conflict, well, I, I, let's back up just a little bit. I missed one conflict because I was on leave and uh -huh. some of the medics were drawn from the unit that were still back that didn't go on leave and got to go to Panama. And earn your jump wing, oh. your, your 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 star, yep, combat jump. And you did. That. Of course, every one of them got injured somehow, you know, broken leg yeah. or you know whatever. How many jumps have and you I done? How many jumps? I got a I got a call. Well, considering the fun jumps I did on the weekends when they were busting shoots, yep, done around four hundred. Wow, that was in twenty two years. Holy shit. And I, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be good at that because I don't like. There's guys that got more. I don't like heights. Well, <laughs> Felix, to, to get back, to get back to the recruiter, he said, "How would you like to earn fifty-five extra dollars a month?" I said, "How?" He said, "Jumping out of airplanes." I said, "That sounds cool." <laughs> I've never been in a plane, let alone I had never been in one on the ground. My first flight was Fort Polk, Louisiana. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved flying. Oh, yeah, see? But, you know, the jumps don't make that much difference. You know, it's like we always say, the only jump that counts is the combat jump. Yeah. Everything else is practice. Yep. You know, because that's where you earn your gold star. Yeah. And I did get my gold star, which doesn't break my heart, but it would have been nice. So I missed Panama, and then at that point, I was going to uh, nursing school. Uh huh. And I went back to Fort, <laughs> went back to Fort Gordon, Georgia. And this is a highlight. Went back to Fort Gordon, Georgia, where I was born mm -hmm. for oh. nursing school. Oh. There you go. And the first day we're there, yeah. First day we're there. We're sitting in the classroom, which was part of the old hospital that they had almost completely tore down at that point. Mm -hmm. We replaced it with the big Eisenhower high-rise hospital. 
the the commander of the class comes in and she goes and introduces herself and throws a spill and she goes, you're sitting in the labor and delivery room <laughs> of the old Fort <laughs> Hospital. Oh, that's cool. And so being an asshole that I am, I go, damn, I thought this looked familiar. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got all these damn NCOs jumping on me. <laughs> you know, they go, they go, you ain't supposed to be doing any outburst, blah, blah, blah. You know, just hollering at me and shit. I go, look, guys, I was born in this room. Oh. Bullshit. I go, no, look at my birth certificate, idiot. I was born here. That's why it looks familiar that to me. That's very cool. That's cool. But, you know, yeah, that was cool. I mean, even, even when I told my mom I was going down there, she told me where to look, go around and see if these places were still around and Augusta, Georgia is, is right outside Fort Gordon. It still had Confederate uh, markers and grave markers all over the place. Mm-hmm. They had to battle inside the town, and there's people had half a dozen Dagon memorials in their yard. There was memorials that were encapsulated in the street where the guys wow. died and were buried. Uh, yeah. South is like that. Really weird. Really, yeah. It was really weird to, to see that because I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. Fort Bragg's got a bunch of them all over the place. So it landed around, uh, it, it was put in an area where there used to be a bunch of battles. Mm-hmm. Revolution. Yeah. Cornwallis stayed in a farmhouse. It was located on Fort Bragg. We had all kinds of Civil War battles all around Fort Bragg. Monroe's Crossing, 297 uh, Confederate soldiers and 158 Union soldiers were killed at Turkey Creek, right at the base of Monroe's Crossing. They shot for days against each other. 14-day battle. Yep. yep. And those Areas where they were shooting from are now known as Sicily and Nine Megan Drop Zone. And I always wondered what all them damn lead bullets were about. And one day yeah. I found that when I was out bow hunting, there's a bunch of people out there with national or with Smithsonian jackets on, yep. metal detectors. Yep. I'm going, hey guys, what, what's going on? I'm deer hunting here. Oh, we're, we're trying to survey this area. What's the what are you looking for? So, well, this is where a big battle, blah, blah, blah. And they found all these different things and they cleaned out all the markers, or cleaned up all the markers, didn't take them out, but cleaned all the markers up and designated it as a small historical site. Yep. And about 15 miles back toward main post is where Cornwallis has a big sign out there where Cornwallis stayed in that farmhouse during uh, the uh, 1778 March. And to throw it even further back, <laughs> one of my ancestors, direct line ancestor, mm-hmm. fought with the Swamp Fox, who, who, if you know movies, the Patriot. Yep. The Patriot was the Swamp Fox. And my, my great ancestor was one of his lieutenants. Wow. So you have- and on the other side of the family, my mom's ancestors fought with Cornwallis against the colonials. <laughs> so you, so you, you're, you got some history. Stranger than that, blood. man. <laughs> you got some history. Military in your blood, for sure. Uh, my, my, my first ancestor set foot here on, in uh, America is still in the who's who of North uh, of United States history. Yep. His name is Captain John Seeley. He was a Cambridge 
professor of economics oh. in 1700s. Oh, cool. He sold yeah. everything he had, bought four ships, loaded them with cargo, hired on four crews and sailed to the New World and stopped in Rhode Island where he started his, his venture. And from there, everybody who's got my last name all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast, including the Mormons, are all blood related to me because he was the only one that came across. Mm. He married a woman over here in the United States. It was a, you know, a colonial. He married a colonial woman when he came here and started his business and everything, got everything rolling, and had three sons. And those three sons flourished all over the United States. It was all up and down the East Coast. And uh, that name is synonymous with a lot of stuff that went on during throughout our history. And wow. I didn't realize that until I was out of high school. My dad's cousin traced down the family tree and found all these documents and stuff long before the internet. You know, yeah. It wasn't even, a, wasn't even a pipe dream at that point. What? He'd done all the hard work. He traveled over to Europe to find this stuff. And what is your surname? And actually had copies of the original documents. Yep. Huh? What is your surname, your family name? My surname is Seeley, S-E-E-L-E-Y. Oh. And to show you how prevalent that is, here in Montana, there's a Seeley Lake that a Mormon rancher put in mm -hmm. so he could water his cattle. <laughs> and in Arizona, there is a Seeley Lake that was done the same way by another Mormon that wanted to water his cattle. Oh, very cool. That's yeah, that is. Hmm. <laughs> my, that is. My grandfather's brother actually established a town in Indiana called Seeleyville. So you he got was in the Merkin he, he was in the mercantile. mercantile. He, he was in the mercantile and the building that he had built there was by a, a bricklayer or not bricklayer, a mason who was working down at the Bedford mining areas where they were harvesting out or cutting limestone and he hauled limestone up and built my my uncle my great uncle uh store and that store still stands today and the people who own it it's now or last time i seen it it was a true value mm -hmm. they had bought it because it was already set up it, and in the back room they still had the safe that he put in there and a painted portrait of the sign maker who misspelled the name <laughs> I, I i i i went in there i went in there about eight years ago and i go i have to see this building you know and I walk in there, I'm looking around. I'm not looking at the store products. I'm looking around, like, scoping place out. And <laughs> this woman walks up through those, uh, can I help you? I said, well, I'm just kind of looking at the building. Yeah. She goes, uh, what are you looking for? I said, well, my, my great uncle had this building built. She goes, I got to show you something. Uh-oh. She took me to the back office. And in the back office was this portrait hanging over the desk. She said that portrait was here when we bought it from another family, and we decided to keep it here. Who and was it? Was it was an original portrait of him from the nineteen. Wow. I think it was from the nineteen thirties uh, when he had it painted. Did she give it, it to you? Did maker, she give, who was did, a drunk? Did she give it to you? No, you had to leave it. No, there. she. She. No, 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 no. I left it. Uh, I didn't want. She offered. She offered it to me. I said no. I said it stays here. I said, yes. this yeah. Alone. Yeah. Do you live on a family homestead there in? in I think Montana. Is that where you live? Do you live on, on a family in family land? No, I live in a small. 
I live in a small town. I, I'm actually an immigrant. I've only been here 27 years. Uh, I see. And my my grand my great grandfather stopped at Louise uh, at at Louisville, Kentucky, and said no more. Yeah. And my grandfather migrated up in the Indiana with his brother to find work. My grandfather yeah. was a, a wallpaper, which at that time wasn't really a wallpaper. He put linen on walls. Yeah. Yeah. That's and what they did back then. made good money, money at it. And it looked and good, too. That's pretty. Oh, yeah. It looks a lot better than wallpaper. Yeah. But I learned how to do that because that was passed down to my dad, who done a lot of wallpapering in the houses. And we learned how to do it. And I've done a lot of wallpapering when I was running my business after I got out. Yeah, but there's a lot of things there that you know. He stopped in Louisville, and the rest of the family moved off. Most of our family came out of Southern Pennsylvania. Oh, that's where they originated from. All right. So you know, on both sides, um, uh, on both sides of your family, your mom also. I mean, my mom. Where is she from originally? She's from Indiana. Yeah. She's originally from Indiana. Her dad was from a small mine, or a small town in Illinois. Uh huh. And we get, yeah, we got enough time. Did we? We have my like, grandfather. Did your brothers? My, you said you had two brothers, mm-hmm. right? Did they all? Yeah. Did they all go into yeah. the service no. also? No, Raccoon said he's the only one. And he's oh, he was no, no. I was the only one. Yeah. I was all the only right. one. Why didn't my, they? My other two brothers decided to go to college and party. Okay. They went to college and partied for a few yep. years, and then they decided to quit college and yep. go chase down something else. My brother used to work for a, a, a big retail chain down in uh, Texas. Yeah. He graduated down there. For, he used to work with Safeco or with, with, with what the hell? Safeway. The grocery store. Safe something. Safeway. Yeah. Huh? Safeway? It could have been. Safeway. Safeway. Yeah. yeah. He started out with Safeway doing groceries. He came from a local store in town, went to Safeway, became a, a, a general manager. Yeah. And moved down to a, a Houston, Texas. And there's a big chain store. I think it was called Randall's. Oh. He worked at Randall's in Houston, Texas for a uh-huh. few years. But then Safeway bought that place out. So we went back with Safeway and he retired a few years ago as yep. a, a manager in Safeway. Yeah. My other brother, he just kind of bums around, and and he's he's working for Cummins Engine, yeah, or Cummins Manufacturing, yeah, to make the engines in Indiana. And uh, me, I just kind of went to military. He yeah. said, oh, "You gonna get anything out of the military?" So I'll retire before you do. Yeah. I retired at the age of forty-two. Well, <laughs> listen, listen, raccoon. <laughs> I find your life history interesting as hell. I mean, look at the history his family has. You know what? You have to come back next week and tell us the rest of this story. Because now I'm dying to find out what the hell went on in your life. Because you mentioned you were in Desert Storm, right? Yeah, that's where I broke my neck. Well, listen, you got to come back next Friday and we got to take it all off from there because I want to know what happened. I mean, you know what? First of all, I want to thank you for your service, man. You you sound like, besides your service, you sound like a really good guy. 
You know what I'm saying? We are lucky to have him. He sounds like a straight shooter, a straight shooter. I can tell, you know, I'm, I'm a good judge of character people. All I have to hear them a couple of times, you know, I could tell a prick too. believe me. You know what I mean? But so can I. Yep. So listen, uh, you got to come back just, next week. You got to. I just want to touch on. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just want to touch on something real quick that you said. You know, I got injured in Desert Storm, uh-huh. but that didn't knock me out of the military because the surgeon I worked for is the one who helped me stay in the military. Yeah. Yep. There and you go. He, I worked for him, and he he liked my work, and he said, "Don't worry, Sarge, we got you covered." Yep. Well, listen, you got to definitely come back. Uh, It it pays to have friends. You're right. I want to get Eric in here to tell us what's happening in the Podbean world. Eric, Uh, what's happening, Felix? Yeah, happy Friday, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. Well, um, of course, I know the Joe the Joe Antonio show. He's happening right now, and then WTF with. Doom and Scooter from the Beans and Weenie show um, should be on about 9.30 Eastern time this evening, Eastern time, like I said. And at 10 p.m. Eastern time, the Old Man's Podcast Friday night primetime special featuring Big Rich Dog and yours truly, and that will be followed at midnight Eastern time by Russ and the Outside of Normal Podcast. And, of course, all this weekend, you'll have, like, Hanny J's TRL, the Battle of the Russes, like, Russ from the Outside of Normal Podcast and Russ Finley from New Zealand and the Dude Sean and Crazy with a K yeah and then of course next week you have like the old man's podcast weekdays at 10 a.m eastern time and speaking of the old man's podcast show monday morning is our 800th show so hopefully we can get some turnout to the live show for that and also on Podbean, you've got the milk dog 2020 show and you've also got the ralph william podcast um the frankie d show as well as you've got um you, um, t- t- Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, the Dude Man podcast. Wednesdays, you've got Slack Ready 2 Alpha at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, which I'm sure you'll probably see Rocky Raccoon at that one. And you also have the Potluck podcast Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, and yep. at 2 p.m. Eastern Time weekdays, the Pulse Alaska podcast with Brett and Scott. And Wednesday nights, their variety show, Wednesdays at 10.30. And... Um, and it, and I noticed like James from the slightly serious show came into the live live show earlier and yeah. um yes, ho- hopefully he that. might be firing up a brand new season ho- hopefully he might be in the ne- next couple of weeks give or take uh, firing up a brand new season of the slightly yeah. serious show featuring Pertwee and yours truly and a couple other friends I mean I know we've been been really missing him around here um but but ho- hopefully um I'm I'm he might decide to call me this weekend if, if he's hearing this, because I know I'd definitely like to talk to him and see how he's doing. All right. yep. um, and, I, and I know you'll definitely be back next week. And with Memorial Day weekend, um, we, we kindly want to do a PSA announcement for for friends of the The Swap Doesn't Lie podcast to be safe and be responsible, but, but still have a good time. Never, ever right. drink and drive. Because... You know, it, we, we ask that you get a des- have a designated driver with you or call Uber or Lyft to get you to and from your destination because the important message here among all of our peers here on Podbean is we want all of you to arrive alive. And in, and I think in closing, Felix and Ann could probably say the This Swap Doesn't Lie podcast cares. Yes, we do. And definitely 
just like Eric said, do not drive and drink. Call a friend, call Uber, you know, get a ride. We don't want you to. Yeah. Well, and now here in Connecticut, since we don't want any lives lost. No. Here in Connecticut, it's now legal, and we now have another whole set of accidents, fatal accidents, people getting on the highway in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to get high, don't drive. Yeah. 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 Um, Raccoon, Mm -hmm. I, I want. I just want to tell you, I don't know if you could see what people are writing, but Zach, Zach wrote, uh, thank you for your, uh, your service. James wrote, thank you for sharing. A lot of people were writing in liking what you had to say. We're going to do a part two next week. I got to hear the rest of this story. Yes. Hey, Felix, let, yeah. me, let me just end with, Thanks for paying your taxes. It makes it worthwhile. There's nobody likes working for free. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. And you had to say something? On, on Monday, you have the honor of doing what on Monday morning? Yes, I'm excited. Monday, Memorial Day, I, I'm driving my hot rod, my 1927 Model T Ford hot rod mm-hmm. in the Memorial Day parade. And I'm in a... Um, I decided to well, do this for. In, I decided to do this in remembrance of my brother, who passed away uh, when I was twelve years old. This was fifty-seven years ago. Mm-hmm. He died. He died on Memorial Day. He drowned at uh, Candlewood Lake in Connecticut. So I'm doing this in his oh honor, goodness. and I'm also doing this for all the lost soldiers and, out and there in their in their honor yeah my passenger in my car because i can only hold one person in this hot rod uh is going to be a, a a vietnam slash um korean, korean war veteran yes so he's he's up there in age but they're saying that he's looking forward to jumping in into this hot rod in, uh, yes. for the yeah well, so I'm, and, yes. and um, by the way, Felix and Ann, we would also like to proudly congratulate the high school and college graduates um, who are, yes. you know, who are graduating, you know, high school and college. Of course, I know plenty of families and friends are hearing the sound of pomp and circumstance. Yep. And here in, in Trumbull, we have a class of 212 uh, high school students in uh, Raccoon. You would like to hear this. 28 of them are going off to some, some branch of the military. Upon graduation. Yes. So we, we're representing Zero. Zero is writing in what city? Trum- uh, maybe she's asking about Trumbull, Connecticut. Yeah. That's so, where the parade is going to be held. So it's a kind of a small town. How many people live here? Uh, about 32,000. Yeah, 32,000 people. So it's kind of a small town. If you guys are new to the show, follow us. And follow us so you can hear Raccoon's life story and this man was in the service a long long time listen raccoon thank you for your service brother you're a good man we'll talk to you again next week say hey felix i just have to add to that yes memorial day isn't about celebrating you're right picnics and stuff it's about remembering remembering the people who fought for exactly and that's why i'm driving my car in the parade not only for my brother who passed away, but for all the soldiers who passed away. 
So listen, people, be safe out there. Have a great weekend. Have a fantastic weekend. Like Eric said, do not drink and drive. Do do not take drugs and drive. In the state of Connecticut, if you get caught drunk driving, you go to jail without a doubt. And I'm sure there's a lot of other states out there. And believe me, you don't want to be in the court system. It's not worth it. um, Yes. And how the designated driver program came into existence, like, you know, for anybody who might have lived in Massachusetts in 1985, there was a WBZ TV Channel 4 newscaster named Dennis Kauf. Him and his wife were involved in a car accident at the hands of a drunk driver and and sadly he was killed in that accident and you had yep. you know people like at the time oprah winfrey pushing the designated driver program um and you know and you even met- some shows writing it into their their scripts do you have mothers against drunk that? driving yes yeah, that's prevalent here as well it, yes. yeah i've heard of med yeah they do a lot of we have a lot of universities around so there's they're all over the place and they put an insignia on the car, you know, offering rides, driving through the campuses. It's a great program. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. All right, people. Be safe out there. Raccoon will weekend. talk. You have a great weekend, too, Eric. Raccoon, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Friday next week. Yep. Thank Take you. care. Thank you very much. All right, people. Be safe. Follow us. I want to thank everybody. Slightly serious. Zach Zero. Robbery. My friend in Guyana, Eric, Eric. Eric, Raccoon, Karate Jane, James, James, Zero, Zero started following us. Well, All right. Glad you're here. Glad All right, here. people, be safe. And Zach wrote, if anyone's going drinking, don't get behind the wheel. If you're fucked up, out of your mind, and you're slurring your words like Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Biden. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was trained and then watch the hair come, come back up again. Our fearless leader. So I learned about roaches. I learned there's your leader. My lap. All right, people, have a safe weekend. All right, I'll talk to you all on Friday. We're on every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Time. Eastern. Well, Eastern. Tune in next week to hear the rest of Raccoon's life story as this story. man served in the military for 27 years. Or 22. It's remarkable. The story is a very. Anybody who served that long. Yes. I hope he's getting a good pension. I don't know. He better be. (laughs) All right, people, I'm taking you out with a little WAP music. Zach, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And you know what? Nobody, nobody, nobody said the magic word. No, no. (laughs) No, no. Do not. Nobody, nope. nobody said the magic word. Oh, come on. Yes, no. here we go again. Uh, Woo! Uh, oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, yeah.
it at me. Everything. Ciao, I'm out of here. Yeah, come over here and see who's looking in my way.